Good morning, Cam CC. He is definitely turning my morning into dancing. If that's true for you, why don't you join me in singing this today? I searched the world, but it couldn't fear me. Man's empty praise, treasures of faith, I never
Isaiah 6.3 says, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is filled with his glory. We've seen that this morning. Christ 
and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.
Have you ever been waiting on the Lord? Have you been waiting for him to answer a prayer? Maybe for a miracle? Or maybe just for God to show up? My family and I have been praying for a miracle this year. We started with 40 days of prayer and we didn't hear of anything from the Lord. And we started with another 40 days of prayer and then another 40 days of prayer, 120 days. And uh, we're still praying for this miracle. We didn't stop with just the 40 days and stop doing it. We just, we're still doing it. We're still praying, but we never got the answer from the Lord that we wanted. And that doesn't mean it won't still happen, but it hasn't happened yet. Why do we keep waiting? It's exhausting, it's frustrating when he doesn't answer. Sometimes we even just give up. We could have just given up after that 40 days, first 40 days. I believe the Bible and the scriptures talks about this, it preaches to this. Um, in Psalm 27, well, let me start with Isaiah 40, 31. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And then later in Psalm 27, 14, it says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. It's imperative. It's a command. We're supposed to do it, whether we want to or not. <laughs> and so sometimes when we're waiting on the Lord, I think it's because he wants us to. And it puts us in a posture of humility and of praise when we wait on him. And we say, Lord, in your timing and whatever you want, we're gonna sing this next song and it's called Waiting on the Lord or Waiting Here for You. And it's not because he's not here. He's already here. It says, the Bible says where two or more are gathered, he's there in our, their midst. So we know he's here. But we are waiting on him, maybe for a miracle, maybe for something else, whatever it is in your life. And while we're waiting, we will sing his praises and we will sing hallelujah over and over and over again. So church, would you just lift your hands with me this morning and sing hallelujah.
Lord, we come before you and we praise your name. We praise your powerful name. Your name is the greatest, Lord. Your name is the highest. And we bring you all the glory. A thousand generations falling out in worship to sing the song of ages to the Lamb. And all who've gone before us and all who will believe Sing the song of ages to the Lamb. Lift his name, your name is the highest, your name is the greatest, your name stands above them all. All thrones and dominions, all powers and possessions, your name.
Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? Awesome. I mean, I hope we are after that worship set. That was amazing. Um, well, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Brandon, and I am a pastor here. I oversee the high school ministry. Shout out to some of my high school students and my high school team out there. I love you guys. Um, just to kind of give you a snapshot, God is doing some big things in the high school ministry. I won't go into it. If you want to hear all of what he's doing, come talk to me, and I'll tell you. Um, but man, God is moving. We're seeing a lot of students come in. We're seeing a lot of students who don't have a church background come in, and uh, they're getting the love of Jesus, and it's all attributed to God, but also attributed to my amazing volunteers. Um, we have a handful of them that are just really great. So again, shameless plug, if you want to join the team, again, come see me. I would love to talk to you, and because uh, we could use the backup. We are outnumbered for sure. <laughs> Um, if you are a first-timer, I just want to say welcome. We're so glad you're here. Um, and before we begin, I want to uh, share a story. I, I'm a guy who loves stories. Um, and specifically, I love a good World War II story. Anybody here with me on that? Some of us? Yeah. World War II, there's just something about that era for me that really just uh, pulls on the heartstrings. It gets me excited. Uh, it gets me pumped. If you want to see tears fall out of my eyes, you put me in front of Band of Brothers, and I will cry every single time. Every year I watch it, I end up crying, uh, because there's something about these seasoned, hardened veterans who've seen the craziest things cry over the loss and the things that they had to endure. Um, and it's just, it's, it's, there's just things that, like, grit and valor and honor. It's things that draw me in, and I get really excited about it. Um, and there's one story in particular that I've been really drawn into lately, um, and it's about a guy named Audie Murphy. If you know anything about World War II history, you've probably heard this name before. But this guy was a legend. At the age of 19, he had already seen nine, um, nine campaigns, he'd won over 20 medals, and he became the commanding officer of his company. Now this story I want to tell you, it brings us to January 26th, 1945. And him and 40 men were tasked to hold position over a road just outside of a town called Holzweer. They were supposed to wait for reinforcements, but because of delays and other things, that was going to take a while. And it was about 2 p.m. on this afternoon where they were bombarded by a ferocious attack from German forces. About 250 German infantry and six panzer tanks uh, bombarded them with uh, infantry fi uh, artillery fire and with their guns. Knowing that his men didn't stand a chance against this force, Audie Murphy decided to tell his men to retreat back to a defensive position while he himself stayed in the forward position with his field radio. And he called in artillery strikes. With his M1 in hand, he, he would unload all of his ammo towards the, towards the forces. And when he ran out of that, he saw in the, uh, over to his left a tank that had been destroyed by the German artillery. And on top of it was a 50 caliber gun. So he runs over to the flaming tank that's billowing with smoke, and he mounts this gun and begins to proceed to fire again on the enemy. All the while, he's calling in for artillery. It was noted in the account that his, his men were worried for him that the tank would explode and that would be the end of him. And thankfully for him, the Germans thought the same thing and they didn't rush the tank. So under the cover of smoke, Commander Murphy held the line for an hour, calling in artillery and, and raining as much fire as he possibly can in order to hold the line and not jeopardize his men. Eventually, he was able to whittle the forces down enough to where he rallied his troops and they successfully defended the town. For this, this guy wins the Medal of Honor. This man was one of the most decorated soldiers in World War II. And there's a lot of cool aspects to this story, but one thing I really love and the thing that sticks out to me the most is his loyalty to his men. The fact that he was willing to put himself on the line so his men could stay safe and hold the position. 
Now, on, on top of that, his loyalty to his country, that he was able to sacrifice, he was willing to sacrifice himself in order to preserve both. And today I want to talk to you about faithfulness. And specifically, I want to talk to you about faithfulness in relationships. Many of us have faithful relationships, and there are things that are essential to them. So this begs the question for us, what is essential for faithful relationships? What is essential for faithful relationships? What do we need to truly be faithful in our relationships? And I believe that we'll find some answers today in, our, in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, which is where we'll be. We'll be in the first seven verses. So as you turn there, I'd love to kind of catch you up as to where we've been. The last, uh, I don't know, long while, we've actually been in the book of 1 Samuel. Uh, we've been covering the story of Saul, Samuel, and a guy named David. Most of us know who David is, right? David and Goliath. Um, and we've made it all the way through cha- from chapters 1 to 18. In the last few weeks, we've actually seen God's favor over David's life. You see, David was a lowly shepherd boy. He was the youngest in his family, but he was prophesied that one day he would become king of Israel. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've been seeing that this favor has been on David's life where he is defeating, he's defeated Goliath. He's defeated the Philistines. He's winning favor over the men of Israel. He's winning favor even with King Saul. We see that he's, he's forged a covenant friendship with a man named Jonathan that is like a brotherhood that goes deeper than a brotherhood, that their souls are tied to one another. And he's, there's the, it's just everything that David is doing, he's winning at. Saul is even marrying off one of his daughters to David. But with all this favor, we also start to see a turn in Saul. We start to see that he gets jealous. We start to see that, that David is now getting more credit than he is. And Saul wants to kill him. In the last chapter, we see Saul even try to throw a spear at David, and he successfully escapes. We see Saul trying to send David into battle so that he can die, and every time he's gone into battle, he's successful. And so we bring, we bring ourselves to chapter 19, where Saul truly wants David dead. So why don't you read with me, and we'll start to talk about what this verse means for us today. Verse 1 says, And Saul spoke to Jonathan and his son and to all his servants that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted much in David. Jonathan told David, Saul, my father seeks to kill you. Therefore be on your guard in the morning. Stay in a secret place and hide yourself, and I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are. And I will speak to my father about you, and if I learn anything, I will tell you. And Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father, and said to him, Let not the king sin against his servant David, because he has not sinned against you, and because his deeds have brought good to you. For he took his life in his hand, and he struck down the Philistine. And the Lord worked a great salvation for all of Israel. You saw it and rejoiced. Why then will you sin against innocent blood by killing David without cause? And Saul listened to the voice of Jonathan. Saul swore, as the Lord lives, he shall not be put to death. And Jonathan called David, and Jonathan reported to him all of these things. And Jonathan brought David to Saul, and he was in his presence as before. Now we've been talking about David for most of this series. We've been talking about Saul for most of this series, but today... I really truly believe that the hero of this story is Jonathan himself. We see this unexpected faithfulness. To give you some background really quick, Jonathan, if you, if you didn't know this, is the son of King Saul. He is the prince of Israel. And you see this unexpected faithfulness to David at play here. But if you look at what this actually means, if you look at the context of what Jonathan has to pay for siding with David, we see that there's actually a sacrifice. We see that there's a price. There's a potential for something bad to happen to him. 
Which brings us to our first point, I think, is that if we look at faithful relationships and we want to look at the essentials of what a faithful relationship requires, I think one of the first things we need to understand is that faithful relationships need sacrificial loyalty. Let's break this down for a minute. If you look at the first three verses, we see Saul spoke to Jonathan and his servants, and he tells them that they should kill David. Now, the thing about kings is that when they say something, when they tell you to do something, it's never a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command that that we see that Saul is commanding Jonathan and his servants to kill David. But what's at risk here is that Jonathan is going against the king's orders. We see first the command, and then the very next thing, Jonathan goes straight to David. And what does he do? He doesn't kill him. In fact, he actually tells him what Saul is trying to do. You see, when you disobey a king's orders, that's considered treason. It's punishable by death. And in this first verse, in these first couple verses, we see that Jonathan is defiant to his king. He's willing to risk his life out of his loyalty to David. On top of this, he was going against his own father. He was willing to jeopardize his relationship with his dad. And on top of this even more, he was forsaking his throne. As the prince of Israel, he was the next in line. But he knew that God had promised David that he would be king one day. And so out of his faithfulness to God and David, he was willing to set it all aside. You see, sacrificial loyalty is a heart attitude. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a posture that our hearts have to be at if we want faithful relationships. If we're truly loyal to the ones we love, then we have to be willing to sacrifice for them. Jonathan chose to sacrifice himself, his relationship, and his inheritance because of his faithfulness to David. Faithful relationships need sacrificial loyalty. We need to be able to set ourselves aside for the sake of the ones that we love for the sake of the ones that we're faithful to. And it has to start in the heart. Now, if faithful relationships require sacrificial loyalty, and if it's the heart piece, then faithful relationships also need selfless action. Selfless action. Let's look at the next four verses here. You see, we see this action now play out of what flows from Jonathan's heart towards David, that he's willing to risk it all, and now he's actually doing it. And he goes to Saul, and get this, he doesn't address Saul as his father. He addresses him as a king. He said, why should a king sin against his servant? And he starts to plead a case, not knowing exactly how Saul is going to respond. At any moment, Saul could get him for treason. At any moment, Saul could just shun him for taking sides over his own father. But he still acts on it anyway. And he says, what has this man done but other than good for you? You saw it with your own eyes. He's telling him, you killed the Philistine. He's talking about Goliath. You saw it and rejoiced. Why should you kill him? And so he pleads this case, and it works, at least temporarily. Because if you keep reading along, you'll find out as we go on over the weeks, you'll see how Saul's heart slowly starts to turn darker and darker, and his jealousy and his hatred towards David becomes bigger and bigger. But it's interesting because Saul swears, as the Lord lives, I will not kill David. Jonathan surprisingly sides with David, disregards himself to save David, 
And it was out of his faithfulness to David and God that he acts upon this. And we see that David is restored. David is restored back to Saul for a little bit. Our actions will always align with our hearts. Or at least it should, but what's truly in our hearts, our action will always align with what our hearts tell us. When we're talking about faithfulness, um, I can think of a story that's a little closer to home, again, in the realm of World War II, uh, but this one has to do with my wife's grandfather. Now, he was born and raised in the Netherlands, and when he was younger, he was actually, uh, he was actually there when, the Na- when Nazi Germany was occupying the Netherlands. And he was forced to work in a factory. Now, I have had the pleasure of meeting this man um, before he passed. I had the pleasure of getting to know him and being around him. And the one thing that always marked me about who he was, was he was faithful to God. He loved God. And there was one story that stuck out to me that when he was at this factory, he, he approached the guard and said, hey, I cannot come in on Sunday because I have to go to church. And it was a house church that he went to. And the guard responds and says, if you go to church on Sunday, you will have a bullet in your head come Monday. Knowing full well what was at stake, he decided to go anyway. Now this is where it kind of gets crazy, but it ends up working out for him. That same day, the Allies had bombed that very town, and the guard that had made the threat towards him was a casualty in that bombing. And he was able to go back without a scratch and serve until he eventually escaped and made it stateside. But sacrificial loyalty and selfless action are required to have a faithful relationship with one another and with God. It's biblical love at its finest. The willingness to do whatever it takes for the sake of the other person, and then on top of that, then to act upon it, is biblical love. Here's the big idea that I want us to walk away with today. In this, is that biblical love requires us to risk. Biblical love requires us to risk. The validator of biblical love is risk. True love requires us to count the cost for the sake of the other. We see this in Jesus, and he models this for us. Philippians 2, verses 6, 8 says, Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equity with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Now, I don't know if you see the parallel and how cool this is, but to me, I kind of geeked out when I made that connection. Um, Here we see Jonathan, the son of a king, willing to set aside his life and his throne so that David could be restored to a king. Then here we see Jesus, who set aside his throne so that we could be restored, the ones he loved, back to a king. You see, we have this in Jesus. We have this hope and this goodness in him. And though we have a small snippet through Jonathan, we have this microscopic idea of sacrificial love, we ultimately see the best form of sacrificial love in Jesus. He counted the cost, he took the risk, and he followed through. And it was out of the heart and out of his actions, out of his faithfulness to us. 
And because Jesus models this, we then get to and have to and should follow suit. There's one thing I've been uh, talking to the high school students about, and it's this idea of being a Christian. It's this idea of being little Christs, imitators of Jesus. And if we want to be imitators of Jesus, we have to think this way. We have to think about sacrificial loyalty. We have to think about selfless action. Not only in our relationship with God, but in our relationship with one another. Think of your closest relationships. Maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's your kids. But if you have been in any form of close relationship, whether it's a roommate or a spouse, especially a spouse, you know how hard it is to think sacrificially. You know how hard it is to set aside your own comforts. Chances are we may never have to, most of us may never have to risk our lives for our loved ones. Some of us, sure. But that doesn't mean that there's not anything to sacrifice in our lives. It could be our pride. It could be our position. It could be how we're viewed. But at the end of the day, we are called to be willing to sacrifice. So much so that you see in the Bible that husbands are called to love their wives like Jesus did, and offer himself up as what? A living sacrifice. You see, when we want a faithful relationship, we need to have sacrificial loyalty. And that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be reciprocated. But if you want a faithful relationship with somebody, you have to be the initiator You have to be willing to set aside your pride. You have to be willing to set aside your comfort for the sake of the other person. Again, if there's another thing that shows us the depths of our heart and how easy it is to be selfish, it's kids. Here's some chuckles in there because you know. You know those late nights. You know when they ask for that sandwich and then you give it to them and then they all of a sudden don't like the sandwich. You know the tantrums, the hardships, the disobedience. Sometimes it seems like it's on purpose. But in our hearts, if we were to truly have a faithful relationship with our kids, we have to be willing to sacrifice our comfort, sacrifice our sleep, sacrifice our pride so that we can faithfully love them. Maybe it's parents. Some of us have tough parents. Some of our parents have brought their trauma into our relationship with them. Some of our in-laws have brought hardship into our relationship. But if we are truly Christ followers, then they were called to be sacrificial and to love in such a way that it becomes less about us and more about them. How about to God? What does it look like to be sacrificially loyal to God? Setting aside our comforts for the sake of another, setting aside our comforts for the sake of Christ. Maybe some of us actually need to remember the faithfulness of God in our own lives. We need to remember who we are in Jesus, that he was the one that sacrificed himself for you, that he established you into a place that is holy, He established you back to a king, the king of the universe. 
Maybe some of us go through our day to day and we forget who we are in Christ. We forget that Jesus was the one who took the big risk out of his love for us. And that we need to remember the identity that, that he put on us because of it. You see, any close and real and biblical relationship requires us to risk ourselves, to put ourselves on the line so that the other can be loved. And oftentimes, too, that those who aren't saved can come to know Jesus through our selfless love and sacrificial loyalty to them. We get to partner with God And Jesus gets to make the case for them because of his faithfulness to us. I think we can all grow in these areas. I think we can all identify areas where we don't measure up to these relationships. But the beauty is that there's a grace upon us that we're constantly growing. It's called sanctification. We're constantly learning. We're constantly doing, trying to be better out of our faithfulness to God. And that we get to freely learn under Jesus and his example that he's given to us. So my question for you today is, where are you being sacrificial? Where are you being selfless? And where are you not? And how can you grow? The beauty is we have a helper. We have God on our side who will teach us, who will show us, who will give us stories like this where we can learn to grow in this. That we can learn to be better in our relationships. We can learn to be more faithful to the ones that we love. And what a gift that is. That we don't have to have it all down and perfect but we can always strive for more. Let me pray. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one that initiated first. We thank you that you are the one that showed us what sacrificial love looked like on the cross. That you were the one that ordained faithful relationships, that you model this with the Trinity. You model this with your people, that all throughout the Bible we see your faithfulness, and we see the faithfulness of men to one another because of it. So Lord, help us, teach us. Teach us to become more selfless. Teach us to be willing to be sacrificial change our hearts, change our minds. Thank you that there's a grace when we mess up, when we fail the ones we love. And thank you that you don't fail us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brandon. Let's give him a hand. So you probably couldn't tell because what a because of the great job he did, but that's his first time preaching on main stage. So far, he's only taught our youth. So well done, Brandon. Our uh, I feel I feel like our high school students are in good hands. Um, you know, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Um, salvation starts with a heart condition that believes in Jesus, that trusts in his salvation, that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for and to offer forgiveness for your sins and to bring you into this right relationship with God. So it begins with belief, and then you commit to follow him, and you commit to make him the Lord of your life. That means he's on the throne, he's on the king. He's the king on the throne. I often don't lead a prayer when I'm up here because um, it's, it's not really about a magic prayer. It's about what's inside your heart as you desire to follow God. But today I'm going to lead us in a prayer. 
And I thought it'd be cool if we all like repeated after me, like kind of like a wedding vow. I'll say something, you just say what I say. Is that all right? Let's all do that. Uh, Dear God, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Uh, Lord, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. that his death on the cross was sufficient to pay for my sins. Lord, I commit to follow you for the rest of my days and make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Woo! Hey, um, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time today and then, and that was real for you, like surrendering your life to Jesus, would you let someone know on your way out? You can stop by the welcome counter on the left-hand side. There's people there ready to talk with you. If you're online today worshiping with us, you can go to campcc.net, click on next steps at the top of the page. There's a form you can fill out and we'll get back to you. All right, we're going to continue worshiping through giving. It's one of the ways we want to honor God this morning with tithes and offerings. You can, yeah, amen. It's an opportunity uh, to put God first in your life in this area. So if you want to participate in that, there's three ways, as you can see on the screen, either via our website, texting the number 84321, the amount you want to donate, or there's an offering box in the lobby. Before we go today, let's check out what's coming up next. CamCC, I'm Chelsea Hernandez, and I oversee activities for young families in our church. We are so glad you are here today. On October 15th at 3.30, we will be decorating pumpkins with our little ones. You bring the pumpkins, we'll provide the decorations. If you want more info on young families, you can email me at youngfamilies@camcc.net, and I'll keep you in the loop. If today is your first time with us, welcome. If it's your second time, we are so glad to have you back. If you are a first time guest, we have a $5 Starbucks gift card for you. Fill out our connection card or scan this QR code with your phone's camera and let us know you filled it out digitally. You can also put your prayer request on that card as well. If this is your second visit, let us know and you'll get a $10 gift card to In-N-Out Burger. We will also invite you to our all-you-can-eat dessert with our pastors, elders, and staff. If you're watching online, go to camcc.net slash next steps to go through the guest process. There are great things coming up at CamCC. Be thinking about who you will invite. In the eye of the storm, you remain in control. Sunday, October 8th, Ryan Stevenson in concert, 7 p.m. Time is running out to get your tickets to see the Grammy-nominated and Billboard-charting artist Ryan Stevenson. Tickets available on our website or skip the fees and purchase them in the lobby. And if you want to serve, email katie at camcc.net. October 20th through the 22nd, Women's Retreat. Ladies, remember, Women's Retreat held at Mount Crags in Calabasas. For more info, go to camcc.net slash women or connect with Allison at camcc.net. Friday, October 27th, Middle School Nerf War. 7 to 9 p.m. Bring your own Nerf gun. Free admission for World War Nerf. Set designs, barricades, Nerf turrets, and gospel message. For more info, hit up jacob at camcc.net. Tuesday, October 31st, Trunk or Treat, 6 to 8 p.m. We want you to invite your friends, family, neighbors, coworkers for a night of fun. There will be creative trunks, a dance party, family photos, a candy cannon, and tons of candy. We really need trunks and volunteers to pull this off. If you can serve in any capacity, we need you. We can also share with you the areas we need to make this a success in our community. Come serve and come hang out at Trunk or Treat. Contact Sam at camcc.net for more info. The month of November, we will be kicking off a new community impact initiative. More details to come. To stay in the loop of what is going on at CamCC, follow us on Instagram, like us on Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more info on any of these events, go to camcc.net. Happy Sunday, my name is Nathaniel Van Eerden. I am the Young Adult Ministry Director here at CamCC. 
Uh, if you are a young adult, we meet every Tuesday over in the other building in the Activity Center where we uh, just do some fellowship, some worship, and some Bible study. Uh, something I got out of the message today was that in our relationships, whether it be friends, family, whoever, we need to love more and require less to, uh, to love to give, not love to receive. Uh, I hope that you guys are praying and thinking about who you can invite to church come next week. We have our Ryan Stevenson's concert tonight, so don't forget to get your tickets. If you need prayer this morning, we are going to have people up here at the front who are here to pray for you guys, our, pray te- our prayer team. Um, yeah, and then enjoy your Sunday. We're going to have coffee and donuts out on the patio. See you guys tonight. Thank you.